Welcome to Oikos. Isn't this great to see all these kids? Now, don't be thinking I'm so glad they're leaving. We're a big family and we love everybody that comes in here. We try to get to know you as well as we can. Again, I just want to give a reminder that opportunities to get to know the family come in our missional communities. So if you haven't been a part of a missional community, don't worry. You don't have to go to one and say, now I'm a part of this missional community. You can go to one and say, you know what, this week, this time doesn't work, or I don't like Ken, or whatever you want to do. But we've got plenty of missional communities that you can be a part of and learn about the family. Because it's not just about the leaders, it's about those who are a part of of that MC as well. And what we believe in in discipleship is that we learn better, we learn better together. It's hard to learn things on your own. Many times we think we can learn things on our own and we fail miserably because we don't have someone doing something that's very important in discipleship, and that's invitation and challenge. And so today, we're going to look at invitation and challenge that is this beautiful invitation from Jesus, but within that invitation, there's much challenge. We're going to go to Luke, um, John chapter 14, and we start in verse 23. Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Already you can see some imitation and challenge. We will come and make our home with each of them is a beautiful invitation. And in fact, this is a key oikos kind of verse. That as we build family, we build it not on our own, but we build it because the Father and the Son have desired to build that home with us. But there's a challenge. All who love me will do what I say. That's a big challenge. But in that challenge, there's a grand invitation that you don't do it by yourself. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I think when you read the Bible, this is an important thing. You're not going to like everything you read in the Bible. But remember whose words they are. You may read something in the Bible and you go, I just don't agree with that. When you say, I don't agree with it, remember that you are saying, Essentially, you won't like this. I'm disagreeing with God. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. 
If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. But I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know, will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. And then in chapter 15, he says, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So Jesus says something really clear and should bring great joy to our hearts. In verse 27, he says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Who wants peace of mind and heart? Especially going into the Thanksgiving. Anybody going to some crazy family meal that you're a little bit worried about? Don't raise your hand if you're going to the person you're sitting next to. That might be too blunt, but... We enjoy transparency here, so maybe it's just an a open, open invitation to have a great conversation. He's leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is, is a gift this world cannot give. I want you to just grab onto that, that what Jesus gives in peace, you cannot find anywhere else. There's no organization that you can find it. There's no person who can buy it. There's no job that will fulfill it for you. There is no child that can bring it. There's no husband or wife who can fulfill it. The peace he gives is something the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit freely. He gives a part of the Trinity directly to us. I want you to just let that settle a little bit. Sometimes we just go, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit. But a part of the Trinity has decided to settle on your heart. 
the part of God has said, you are worthy of my presence for eternity. And when you recognize me, when you hear me, when you listen, you receive peace. Those things that you've been taught since a little child or you have just learned yesterday about who God is in Jesus, those are the words that bring you peace. Those are the words that come directly from the Holy Spirit as it reminds you of who God is. He gives you an everlasting peace regardless of the circumstances you're going through. Many of us find our peace wavering when circumstances aren't so good. Have you felt that? That your peace starts to kind of evade you when something bad happens? Or at least that you perceive as bad? Well, the Holy Spirit says, regardless of what's happening around you, I'm choosing to reside in you. It means that he's going to be a guide through that dark time. He's going to be the one that whispers in your ear and is your advocate to remind you of who you are when you have doubts about who you are in that dark time, in that challenging time, in that time when someone who loves you tells you something you don't want to hear, in that time when Someone who hates you tells you something that's true. The Holy Spirit resides on your heart and either tells you you have nothing to worry about, you have nothing to be afraid about, you have nothing to prove. Everything has been done through the work of Jesus. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. And my father and I have chosen to make a home with you. What's important about this is that as Jesus goes on in this scripture passage, is that there are harder things that he has to say. And he needs to make sure that we all understand that when we hear those hard things, the Holy Spirit does not leave us whether we accept them or reject them. He still stands firm on our heart. Welcoming or inviting us to either grab onto that truth sometime or right now. Have any of you ever had to take some time to grab onto a truth that you didn't want to hear? (laughs) Thank you, Suzanne. This is one of those times you should raise your hand and just admit there are times in my life that I have someone tell me a truth, whether they're my best friend or my enemy, and I don't want to hear it. Well, there's a truth, and this is that God works through all people. He works through those who follow him and those who don't. So you can't discount what someone says when it's true, even if it comes from someone that you can't stand. 
How many of you discounted something that is true when it has come from someone you don't really like? Oftentimes I think God does that and he just kind of snickers like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I'm going to tell Aaron this right now and I'm going to choose someone that he does not want to hear it from. And then a couple days later after he's like, whapped them alongside the head or talked about them with a thousand other people saying how rude that person was, then all of a sudden he's going to realize, shoot, what they just said was true. And he's going to be convicted by the person that he doesn't like. And he's going to know it's from me. The Holy Spirit does that because he wants us to remember that it's not our action, but it's his action. We can't bring ourselves to repentance. He invites us into repentance. He allows us to start to see the sin that dwells within us. And the more we recognize that he is the Lord of our hearts, the more we start to recognize the sin that we've grabbed onto. And then he wants us to release. He helps us to see where we are in the family. Are we trying to walk out the door in the home that he's creating? Or are we coming in and sitting down on the couch and feeling comfortable and joyful that we're a part of something that's bigger than ourselves? But let's take a look at a verse that can be easily overlooked. This is John 14, verse 31. Come, let's be going. So this is significant because when Jesus said this, remember they were in the upper room. This is probably Mark's house. So the guy who wrote the gospel, Mark, he probably came from a pretty well-to-do family. He had a large enough house that that was probably where they had the Lord's Supper and where Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. They just concluded all of this. Jesus has just served those whom he loves. And now he says, let's be going. Well, to get from Mark's house down to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is where they're going next, they have to pass by the temple. On the temple, etched in the marble and then filled in with gold and silver to make it brilliant so that you can see it, and just be thinking this is towards nighttime, so there are torches all around the temple, and this is... This is glimmering in the night as they walk by. This is etched on that marble on the temple. I took a vine out of Egypt and I planted it in Canaan. This is an ancient symbol and phrase of Israel. This is their rally cry. And it's etched right there. And they're passing by this as they're walking. You can almost see Jesus and the disciples as they're heading to the Garden of Gethsemane just pause for one moment and Jesus look at that. And he takes it from Psalm 80, verse 8. You brought us from Egypt like a grapevine. You drove away the pagan nations and transplanted us into your land. 
God is saying he has taken all the people and has funneled them down to one person. Everyone down to one. So what does the rest of the psalm say? You brought us from Egypt like a grapevine. You drove away the pagan nations and transplanted us into your land. You cleared the ground for us, and we took root, and we filled the land. Our shade covered the mountains. Our branches covered the mighty cedars. We spread our branches west to the Mediterranean Sea. Our shoots spread east to the Euphrates River. But now, why have you broken down our walls? So that all who pass by may steal our fruit. The wild boar from the forest devours it. The wild animals feed on it. Come back, we beg you, O God of heaven's armies. Look down from heaven and see our plight. Take care of this grapevine that you yourself have planted. This sun you have raised for yourself. For we are chopped up and burned by our enemies. May they perish at the sight of your frown. Strengthen the man you love. The son of your choice. Then we will never abandon you again. Revive us so that we can call on your name once more. Turn us again to yourself, O Lord God of heaven's armies. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then we'll be saved. Verse 17 in Psalm 80, strengthen the man you love, the son of your choice. As Jesus is walking past the temple with his disciples, It is so significant that they begin to see that Jesus is the one that God has chosen to funnel everything that he wants to accomplish into this one man, this son whom he loves and has chosen. And then Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Do you begin to see the significance of this walk between the upper room and then into the garden where they, will see, where they will see vines, where they will see branches? I am the vine, you are the branches, and my father is the vine dresser. He will determine how you will grow and bear fruit. As you enter the family, there will be invitation and there will be challenge. When the branch is pruned back, and none of us like to be pruned. None of us like, and when they prune these branches, it's not like a little snip here. When they prune the branches, they prune it all the way down to the branch so you can almost not see All you see is the vine and this little nub. The branch is gone. So they prune it all the way. The reason why they do that is because the branch is just kind of out here like this. When they prune it all the way, then it begins to grow around the branch. It essentially becomes one. We don't like that, do we? Because when you say, when the Bible talks about pruning, it's saying 
I'm going to strip away everything that you think is you so that you can receive what is me. How often do we say to God, take away me so I can be more of you? It's supported by the vine when the branch is pruned, which means it can bear more fruit. In Hebrews, it talks about the benefits of being pruned back. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off or let us prune every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father, I think some of us would say, well, I think I have. <laughs> All you have to do is go to any public function right now and you can go, uh, I don't think that child's ever been disciplined. We were at a wedding last night and these kids were crazy. And we have four crazy kids, so when I say they're crazy... They were running around, there were heat lamps on for the food... And they were like checking out how close could they get before it burned. And I was looking, and Sarah and I, we kind of looked at each other. And this is key. Because we didn't feel like we were part of the family, we abdicated our role and responsibility. And I even said, you know, it's kind of enjoyable to not be responsible for those children right now. But when you're a part of the family, your responsibility is to make sure that discipline and care and love happens for everyone who's in the family. This is what Hebrews is talking about. Verse 8, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you're illegitimate and you're not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and really live? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening, it's painful. 
But afterward, there will be a peaceful, peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fail or not fall, but become strong. When the branch is pruned back to the vine, it disappears. And then it begins to wrap around the vine with this discipline. And it gets ready to bear much fruit. What the Lord is speaking to us is that he doesn't want us to be those random wanderers who depend on our own word and our own ways and hope that in our own way something good will happen. He wants us to hear his word and be ready to have that removed so that we can start again and then receive what life really is. I don't know how many people I talk to who are wanderers, who are disappointed with the way life is right now, who are sad because of their circumstances, who look forward to not much. And what the Lord is asking us today is, Step into the family. Stop telling yourself you're illegitimate. Respond to my discipline, which is my love. And start wrapping yourself around me. And then from my source, you will bear fruit. Without pruning, we are weak. With pruning, we become strong. John 15, 7 says, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. I've heard this quoted many times. The only thing that seems to not be quoted in this is that most people go, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Because that sounds good. Jesus is like a, a vending machine. You ask for anything you want, it's granted. He's like the Walgreens. You can walk in and they sell like everything. So you can go in to get some drugs, but you can come out with a whole lot more. But Jesus is clear in this verse. If you remain in me and my words remain, and you, you may ask for anything you want. And why is this? Because if he remains in you and his words remain in you, that means you've already been pruned. That means his spirit is already working in you so that when you ask for something, it's not the wandering branch. It's the pruned branch that is already wrapping itself around Jesus. It actually changes your perspective on what you want to ask for. Your things that you begin to ask for are things that are kingdom-focused. 
instead of things that are me-focused. It means that you can intentionally abide in Jesus. And as you abide in Him, you can then pray and expect great things. During devotions this week, it was said by somebody that when you start your life with Jesus, he begins to change your perspective on how you see things. The things that you used to want, you no longer want. The things you desire, you no longer desire. He starts to infuse you with things that you never knew you even would be praying for. And then just out of nowhere, he presents you with something that's beyond your expectation. I think as we move forward, the Lord is asking, especially the family of Oikos Church, to go for something better. In many conversations with some of you, I've heard you just be settlers. Now, don't go to that commercial. (laughs) But it's probably a good vision, right? We settle. We settle with being this wandering branch off the vine with the sick little fruit that comes off because we're scared of being told that maybe there's something better. We're scared that if Jesus comes and chops that off, somehow we'll no longer exist. We're scared that the stuff that we have right now that is not complete If we give it to Jesus, somehow he won't make it better. We're scared to be generous because if we give too much away, what will we have for tomorrow? We're scared to love the person that hates us because what if they respond with more hate? We're scared to step out on the water with Jesus because we've seen too many people sink. And yet Jesus has given us an invitation that includes a great challenge. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is giving us a grand invitation that has a big challenge. That if we accept the discipline of the Lord, that's when life really begins. Now we can go out and keep wandering. But then the question is, what are we inviting people into? As people who say we follow Jesus, but we don't ever want to be disciplined, what are we inviting them into? Do we want them invited into a family that goes, I believe in Jesus, but I don't depend on him. And that's not where we all are. But I think we all have been there and sometimes find ourselves there again. So this morning, as we look at John and Jesus inviting us to remain in him, the grand invitation is to remain in him. 
and allow his words to remain in us. And may those words then become our words that we speak out to the people who need to hear them. The Lord is asking us to go for better, essentially to go for Jesus. Who wants better? Are you willing to have the discipline that comes with it? Let that rest on your heart. Jesus didn't say it would be easy. He said he would be with us. Jesus didn't say you have to carry it all on your own. He said, give it to me. Let us go for better. And let's trust in the one who can prune us perfectly. He won't chop you all the way off. But you need to be prepared to be chopped. There's going to be things that you don't want to have chopped off. Honestly. You're going to want to tell him, don't touch that area. Leave me alone there. But the challenge for you today is, Jesus, I trust you with all of myself and everything I have that I think is mine. Take it. Because what you have for me is better. What you have for me is better than what I can grab onto. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would work in our hearts and our minds today. Where we fail to remember who you are, allow us to listen to the testimonies of those who have gone before us. In the Bible, we don't hear the Apostle Paul in the many things that he wrote ever declare that him sacrificing who he was as Saul to become Paul was a mistake. In fact, he says that he would trade everything so that he could be with you. Lord, we pray that we would be able to have that new perspective, that in the times that we're given that perspective of the things in this world are not worth more than the things that you can give, that that peace and joy that you want to give us is not something that we can wander and reach for, Instead, it's something that we need to be pruned for. Allow us to be willing to let you look through our entire life and prune out the things that are not going to bear fruit so that we can. If that's in our marriage, Lord, I pray that you would allow us to prune out the pride 
If it's us as parents, that you allow us to prune out the impatience. As the song says, you are a good, good father. And we are thankful for that. So remind us that you are for us and not against us. That you love us beyond any compare. And you demonstrated that by sending your son to die for us. That you were willing to be pruned yourself as you watched your son die on the cross. So that we could have the invitation to be pruned and live forever. Lord, we come with nothing. And you have everything. Help us to see that what you have is better. In your name we pray. Amen.